Thank you for being here on this very special Sunday where we get to send off Danielle and send off the kids and volunteers into a very special week ahead. I'd like to start off our time with an icebreaker question. You ready for it? All right. What do you normally eat for breakfast? Go ahead and just answer like popcorn style. Whoa, that's awesome, so many answers. Okay, again. Spinach, Parmesan omelet, wow, okay. That's a good breakfast. Yogurt, nice, okay, what else we got? Oatmeal, oh, I love oatmeal, okay. Anything else? Cereal, nice. The breakfast of champions, Marie, good choice. Okay. That's cool. So um, icebreaker questions, they are awesome because they can get conversations going. Um, and they're also really fun ways to learn random things about people that maybe you've known for a really long time and you would have just never thought to ask them, like, Emma, how long have we known each other? Like a long time, right? Like for years. And I've never known that you like Parmesan. I forgot already. Omelets. Spinach omelets. <laughs> That's so fancy. I need to come by in the morning at some point. So icebreaker questions are super fun and effective. And um, I learned a new one about a year ago with a group of pastors. One of the questions they asked while we were gathered together to like kind of get the creative juices flowing was, if you could take one passage with you to a deserted island, what would it be? And... Um, you know, it was a really fun question because it was a way to get to know what scriptural truth was speaking to each person at that point in time. And for someone in that group, his deserted island passage was the 23rd Psalm. You know, I imagine the 23rd Psalm is a lot of people's deserted island passage. This morning, we're continuing on in our teaching series 23. And in this, we're exploring the 23rd Psalm, which is one of the most beloved and familiar passages in all of Scripture. Last week, we kicked off our series by looking at the metaphor that both begins and forms the core of this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Through this proclamation, the author, David, reveals something significant about who God is. It reveals that God is David's protector and his provider, and his king. The Lord is my shepherd. As David states this, he also reveals something about himself. David reveals that he sees himself as a sheep who is wholly and completely dependent upon God, his shepherd. And the significance of that dependence is seen in the second half of verse 1. Because the Lord is my shepherd, David says, I lack nothing. And so as we journey along in life with the Lord, our shepherd, and as we depend on him, we lack nothing. Because the Lord, our shepherd, provides. And the Lord, our shepherd, satisfies. And this morning, as we continue our journey through Psalm 23, we're going to see that the Lord, our shepherd, refreshes our soul. And so, let's jump right on in. 
I invite you to join me in the scriptures by turning or tapping your way to Psalm 23. You can use your hard or soft copy Bible. You can follow along in the, on the screens with me, indoors or outdoors. So let's check out the beginning of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. As was mentioned last week, this beloved passage is found like almost everywhere. In music and in media. It's framed in my aunt's bedroom. It's so many places. And while I haven't actually conducted a survey of translation usage out there, I think that there's a lot of the 1984 NIV passage out there. In fact, in 2011, there was an NIV update. And in, as part of that, there were some modifications made to those verses. And in this, some really cool nuances are brought to bear. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, becomes the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And still waters becomes quiet waters. And then he restores my soul becomes he refreshes refreshes my soul. And that word refreshes, I think, is particularly vivid. So as many of you know, I grew up in Southern California, in the desert city of El Centro, where 120 degree, degree days there were not unusual. Every summer to escape the heat, my family would hop in our hot car and take a two-hour hot drive to escape our hot hometown. And you know what? When we'd get to San Diego, sometimes it would be really hot there too, but not El Centro hot. Uh, but it would be hot enough so that it would bake the sand, you know? So like when you'd walk along the beach, like your feet would still hurt. And it would probably just be a few minutes upon arrival that you'd really want to get into the ocean. Like, it's just so hot that in order to stay there for any amount of time, you'd only want to get to those cool waters. And, you know, just being even ankle deep in the cool of the water would provide just enough restoration and energy to give elementary-aged me maybe a half sandcastle's worth of time there before I'd have to go run back in the water and experience that refreshment again. And that's the image. That's the image of being rejuvenated and refreshed or awakened here that we see in Psalm 23. And that peaceful, pastoral image of verse 2, the images of our good shepherd making us lie down in green pastures and leading us beside quiet waters. They give us a great picture of what it looks like to experience that refreshment. And at the core of that is rest. Last week, we talked about how the image of the Lord as our shepherd recognizes his role as our provider and our protector. And so it's not surprising to find that refreshment is found when we are connected to resting in those things. Refreshment is found when we rest in the Lord's provision and when we rest in the Lord's protection. Now, as we noted last time, sheep are dependent on the shepherd for virtually everything, including finding good pasture. 
And so what we have here is not just an image of provision, it's an image of satisfaction. It's an image of a sheep who is satisfied and resting in that moment. Since the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, the next image in that psalm is that of a shepherd leading the sheep beside quiet waters. This is an extension of that same, same picture. The shepherd takes care of everything necessary to satisfy not just the hunger, but also the thirst of the sheep. And then the sheep rest. They rest in the shepherd's provision. And so what we have here in this psalm is this all-encompassing picture of abundant provision. Now, there's something significant that's in that image of the shepherd leading the sheep beside quiet waters in addition to this. The Hebrew word that's translated as leads that we see there in verse 2 is a word that's used to describe the act of a powerful and caring party extended on behalf to a weaker and more needy party. There's a very real and beautiful sense of protection found here in this word and in this verse. So in addition to resting in the shepherd's provision, the shepherd leading the sheep beside quiet waters reveals the way the sheep are resting in the shepherd's protection as well. Psalm 23 reminds us that when we rest in those things, we rest in God's provision, and we rest in God's protection. We rest in his presence. And when we do all of these things, he refreshes our soul. God restores vitality and strength to all of who we are. Weary minds, weary bodies, weary souls. God restores vitality and strength to all of who we are. He gives us rest, and rest is vital to life. Not only is rest a fundamental part of who God is, it's who he's made us to be. Now, God himself, remember, rested on the seventh day of creation. It's also, as we see here in Psalm 23, a way that he restores and rejuvenates us. And so rest is to be a part of our rhythm as well. Jesus modeled this very clearly for us during his time on earth. He allowed his father to pasture him. He allowed his father to restore him. Throughout the Gospels, we see this. We see Jesus stepping away to rest and connect with the Father. Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. After he fed the 5,000, John chapter 6 tells us that Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now note the use of the word again here in this passage. It, it suggests that this is a recurring practice. After John the Baptist's death, we read in Matthew chapter 14 that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. And then there's that amazing story in Mark 1. Jesus is in Capernaum, and people were bringing all of the sick 
and the demon possessed to the house where he was staying, so much so that, as Mark described it, the whole town was gathered at the front door. And right in the middle of all that, Mark 135 says that, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And so in the midst of all of this busyness, right in the middle of this overwhelming mass of human need, Jesus got up and went to a solitary place, and he prayed. Right in the middle of all that busyness. All of these things which were very important, oh, by the way, Jesus made time to rest. Jesus rested in his Father's presence, and that time refreshed him. It rejuvenated him. It recentered him. It recentered him on his mission. And we can see that in the way that he decided as a result of this time to move on to another town and preach the good news. In the same way, it is important for us to make space in the middle of life's busyness to rest in God's presence. It's important for us to make space and allow him to refresh us and restore us and to form us. But as is the case with dependence, which we reflected on last week, rest is countercultural. Rest is countercultural in our present day context, in our present day time. It wasn't all that long ago that rest was forced upon all of us during the pandemic. And at that point, man, shelter in place, orders, they ground life as we knew it to a halt. So we really have no choice. But as chaotic as everything was then, there was this sense in which it was sort of refreshing to slow down and to have to wrestle with how to appreciate and be present to our very immediate surroundings. But things are getting back to normal now. Calendars are filling up, activities are piling up, and there's a ton of pent-up travel happening. We just finished May, which is a particularly busy time for elementary students and their families as they enter into these end-of-school activities. So as activity levels are resuming to what they used to be, and because rest is countercultural, it's especially important that we intentionally embrace rhythms of rest. Rest is vital to life. And it's a way to hear God's voice. Busyness and distraction, it can get in the way of hearing God's voice well. It can get in the way of being attuned to the Spirit well. And so, God calls us to be present, to be still, so that we can listen well. This morning, I'd like to share a couple of ways that you can intentionally embrace rest. And this morning, I'd like to invite you to make room to hear God's voice and make space for him to refresh your soul. The first is a prayer retreat. This Saturday, we'll be hosting a half-day prayer retreat called Being Led. It'll build off of a core theme from Psalm 23 as we reflect on our life stories and consider what that reveals to us about Jesus who continues to lead us and guide us now, just as he has in our past. 
It'll be a place of prayerful reflection together and to draw deeper and closer to God in this moment in time, in this time in which we're moving through the 23 teaching series. It'll be at the Mercy Center in Burlingame from 9 a.m. to 3 o'clock. It'll be $55 a person and scholarships are available, so please don't let cost get in your way. Now, there are limited spots available, and we'll need to give final numbers to the Retreat Center really soon, so please do register if you haven't done so already and you would like to join us. You can sign up by going to highway.org. And for the next invitation, I'd like to invite Nick to join me and extend that to all of us. How are we doing, everyone? Are we feeling refreshed and rested this morning? <laughs> I want to share uh, a little bit about a workshop that we have coming up uh, that I'll be leading. Um, so, you know, I don't know about you. I'm, this is coming from a, a place of personal experience, but has anyone ever maybe got into bed at like a good hour, like 9, 9 p.m.? And at least that's, that's a good hour for me, um, 9 p.m., 10 p.m., and then you're like, you know, I think I'll just check some emails. <laughs> or, you know, I'll just be on my phone. I think I'm, I'm really interested to, to know what, and this is, this is a true anecdotal story, what, what, did, what did English sound like a thousand years ago? <laughs> right? And you go on YouTube, and then you're like, oh, what's, there's a YouTube channel that, that has, has a video of what English sounded like a thousand years ago. And that's really interesting. Oh, wait, what did... What, what language was they speaking in South America a thousand years ago? And, and on and on and on. And then you look at your clock and it's like, you know, it's one in the morning and you've been, you know, on your device for, you know, in an inordinate amount of time, right? So this is the world that we live in, right? This is the world that we live in. Technology and digital things are just readily available. We're constantly plugged in. We're constantly uh, able to be reading the news. We're constantly able to connect with one another over the internet. And I think that this is actually a formative process, right? The things that we do in our life create a discipline and a spiritual formation in our life. And so I, I went through, in response to this and just realizing some of these habits in my own life, I went through a season of really trying to discover what would it look like to, to not do that? <laughs> what would it look like to unplug and to sort of digitally detox, if anyone's ever heard that term before? And so what I want to invite you into is a workshop. It's the Digital Detox Workshop. Um, it's going to be running through most of the summer, but it's really just a chance to do a couple things. One, to journey with some other people around this idea of digitally detoxing. But it's also a chance to learn some new habits and practices as well. So we'll be talking about some very basic things like how we can maybe build habits about like turning notifications off and things like that all the way up to even maybe even downgrading to what's called like a feature phone or a dumb phone, which is something that, uh, that I, I do on the weekends uh, from time to time as I actually have a second phone that I use. And so I just want to invite you into that space so that you're not learning about what English sounded like a thousand years ago at one in the morning. Uh, and so the first session is going to be June 21st. That's a Wednesday. It's going to be at 7 p.m. And then we're going to be taking 
breaks in between sessions to actually practice these practices, these, form these formative practices, and then we're gonna gather back together and share as a cohort. Whoever signs up for the class will be in kind of a cohort with other folks, and we'll be digitally detoxing together, myself included. I, even though I've been doing these new practices for a while, I'm still just as guilty of learning about languages. So um, I, I, just wanna <laughs> I just wanna invite you into this. Um, and uh, I hope that you'll sign up. If you wanna know more, you can grab me after service or you can head to our website uh, where there is more information about signing up for the Digital Detox Workshop. But I hope that you will join me and find some extra rest and space in your life in this season. Thank you. Yes, I heard a woot out there. <laughs> And for, de for digitally detoxing. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate your, your heart uh, behind this. This is a workshop that Nick has um, been conceiving and thinking of for some time. It's very much a spirit-led process and a spirit-led gift. So I hope that you all will join us in that. Um, technology. Wow, there is a space that um, the countercultural notion of rest is not only well seen, but it's also really well perpetuated. So um, I really do hope that you all will join us in that. Now, although rest is countercultural, God doesn't intend for us to enter into it alone. And in fact, because it's countercultural, because it involves swimming against a really strong tide, there's something very powerful in engaging in rest with others whether that's doing it together or whether it's reflecting on the experience of it together and or holding one another accountable. It's really important to do this in community and the formation workshop and the prayer retreat are really great ways that you can do this with your church family. And so I hope that you'll join in. As we close out our time, I invite you to consider what the Spirit may be whispering to you about rest in your own life? What could it look like to explore this, perhaps by putting something on your calendar, like this workshop or the retreat, or maybe that's time to do something creative, like draw or write or play an instrument or do a hike? Or maybe it's taking something off of your calendar. Maybe it's saying no to learning about languages from a thousand years ago. Man, I don't know. But Highway family, the Lord who provides for and protects you, he guides you to green pastures and quiet waters. They are here. They are nearby. And they are underfoot. And so may you lie down and experience rest beside the good shepherd who refreshes your soul. Would you pray with me? Loving Lord, our good shepherd, thank you for providing for and protecting us. And thank you for the refreshment that we experience when we rest in those things. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be obedient 
to the call to rest. Would you move us and allow us to hear your voice well to lie down? Thank you that we do not need to do this alone. Thank you for the opportunity, for the gift of doing this in community. I pray that we would enter into rest anew with you together. For us in Jesus' name I pray.